0: hello there meow mentors it's cat lady justin this is the kitty boss where we pick pampered protect your practically perfect pussycat for a lifetime of unconditional love today is a very special episode because i have with me the founder of community cats podcast stacy lebaron i am very excited to meet her because i actually went to her podcast on the community cats podcast to talk about our mission here at kitty boss of helping a million more cats to find a household, and of course, all those lonely people to find a lifetime of unconditional love. Stacy is on a mission of her own, which we are going to find out more together. I do have the inside scoop, but let's meet Stacy. Welcome to the Kitty Boss. It's I, I'm honored and grateful to have you here. You are on such a noble mission. This is exciting. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me here today.
0: It's, listen, it's the absolute pleasure. So I did, like like I said to everybody, I had a look at uh, the Community Cats Podcast website, which uh, I encourage certainly everyone to do. Uh, It's simply communitycatspodcast.com. I'll spell it for everyone later who's not watching, but it's it's the really amazing mission that you're on, and um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But the first thing I want to ask you is probably something that... uh, uh, a few people have thought about which is community cats oh wow we have we have several people here already we have uh bella donna Doolittle saying anybody there uh yes we are here but just to let you know i always let it run for about a uh, a minute or so to give people like you a chance to tune in before actually jumping in on that stuff but yeah we are here we have of course one of my good friends and future guests on this show the crocheting Cat behaviorist who not only is a cat behaviorist but also crochets the loveliest little things for you and your cats saying hi so hi and then we have uh, our friend uh, Janie Smith Shea hello from St. Louis well hello well I happen to be in Nottingham England the home of Robin Hood uh, even though I am American I reside here Stacy you are on the east coast of the United States is that correct
1: yes I'm in Vermont
0: in Vermont, oh right, Ben and Jerry's ter- territory. <laughs> so uh, so we like our Vermont. So anyway, so the first question that really came to mind for me is the the word community cats. So is that a euphemism for, let's say, I don't know, feral cats or stray cats or anything like that? It's just, just a, a catch all for those things? Yeah,
1: so the definition really of what I use for community cats is Mm -hmm. a cat that's got four paws on the ground. So it's a cat that's outdoors, um, and in many cases is not already spayed and neutered, um, but a cat that's living outside and part of the outdoor community. So that could be an indoor outdoor cat, somebody owns the cat, or it could be an outdoor only cat, be friendly cat, could be a shy cat. When we think of feral cats, we think of very shy, very quiet, you know, they're always hiding. They come out at night. Um, but there are many more cats that are out in our environment that are community cats.
0: So that's really good to, because it's, uh, it's a more uh term, is, is what I'm understanding, is that it's not just a feral or not just a stray or not just a whatever. It's an embraceive term that is a, a cat that's part of the community. So, for example, I, I mean, I guess the famous i mean famous here in the uk cat that resides at number 10 downing street which is the like our version of the white house he uh, doesn't belong to any specific prime minister they kind of all you know adopt him or he adopts them he's known as the royal mouser it's cuz he I, I guess he chases mice and all that and then i know all the police that guard guard the the, the house they'll always open the door for him cuz there's no cat flap they'll just open the door for him and let him in and out uh, but I guess he would be kind of a community cat, and uh, the cats, for example, my dad takes care of. He uh, they're they're not they're not really strays because I mean he takes care of them, but they are cats that are not his property, his or his, his particular children, whatever you want to call them. Uh, uh, nor do they seem to belong to anybody. But he does take care of them. He does make sure they're fed and well looked after and healthy and all that. So I suppose these are what we call community cats. They're not necessarily these the image of like the diseased, you know, in jeopardy thing uh, because of us, because of people like us who take care of them and make sure that they're not and that they don't fall into that. Is that right?
1: That's, that is correct. And many of us feed cats that we don't know whether they're owned or not. Uh, and so there are many instances where a community cat will be fed by three or four different families and the families don't even know that they're, you know, sharing the cat. So we are a very caring and loving world and community. We want to help animals. And so many cats are well fed and well cared for out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's interesting. There's there's one not far from here because I like to go for a morning walk. And uh, there's an industrial estate with a gatehouse about, I don't know, a good 10, 15 minutes from here. And there's a cat there uh, named George. He's apparently an older cat. He's 19 years old, a little beautiful black thing that looks like a puma. Uh, very friendly, very nice. But I, I've noticed in the last few weeks a sign uh, that's been posted there said it's saying, Please do not feed George. He is well looked after, he is well fed, uh, and you feeding him means we have trouble getting him in at night and eating his food. So... So sometimes the community cat is a little bit too well uh, looked after and loved. So I, I never brought food for him. But I have to admit, I, I am guilty of bringing some snacks to the cats I meet as I you know, walk around and stuff like that. I just can't resist. They're so cute. So the community cat is that. Can I ask a question? The community cat is is it possible for a community cat to be actually owned by like by someone like, could my cats, I mean, they're indoor house cats, but could they theoretically, if they were indoor-outdoor cats, become community cats?
1: I would consider them community cats. If you own a cat and it's indoor-outdoor, and I have owned cats that have been indoor-outdoor, <laughs> um, I would consider them community cats because they're interacting with others, they're out and about, um, and, you know, playing an impact in the balancing systems in your neighborhood. So I consider them a a community cat. Even though I own them, I worry about the cat. Um, If you do run into a friendly cat, my cat that was outdoors was a friendly cat. If someone was worried about whether that cat was owned, I would hope they would put a paper collar on the cat. My cat was microchipped and had a collar when that stayed on his neck. And um, but, you know, you can use a paper collar to say, does anybody own me so that then you can find out who the primary owner is of a friendly cat?
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. I never thought of that. That's that's why you're here to teach us things like little tricks like that. We do have something in the UK. So I know I know a majority of of the listeners are in the United States, but I do know we have some people who are here like me in the United Kingdom. There is something you may or may not know about that we have here. We have, uh, obviously everyone knows about our Cats Protection, our famous charity started in the in the last century called Cats Protection League. They dropped that little bit uh, of archaic terminology, but they're Cats Protection. And they, they make sure that they're, you know, first of all, no healthy cat is ever put down uh, and they have all kinds of benefits. But one thing they have uh, is, the, uh, is, is an app. Uh, is is a real is an app and I'll try and pull it up on my phone just so I can show people a visual of what this app looks like because it's great I've used it a few times when I wasn't sure whether a cat was a stray or or feral whatever because through the app you can take a uh, photograph of the cat it geolocates you where you are and you can put a description and also how certain what you think it is is it feral and how certain you are and They have a network of people geographically located around the country uh, who, you know, their numbers are in the app, depending on where you are. And those people are responsible for coming and trying to find the cat um, and, you know, seeing what's up with it. So it's a it's a really great thing, because if, you know, you, you don't have, you know, the paper collar on you or you didn't like me, you didn't think of it. Oh, yeah it's called cat watch and uh so i don't know if it's probably hard to see here but uh yeah it'll be it'll be too hard to see with the little blur background i've got going but it's called cat watch so if you're in the uk you can go to the app your app store and just look up cat watch w-a-t-c-h like watching the cat uh and you can find it and you can record a stray. it tells you all about the app as well so i think it's a really great great thing that we have here uh, if you don't have such a thing, or you don't have access to such a thing, or you're out without, then the paper collars is definitely uh, the best idea. If if you're uncertain about the status of a of a kitty cat, because we want to make sure that they're okay, don't we? Oh, um, for for sure,
1: definitely. And there are a lot of different. It's understanding your community too. You know, some folks might not have a lot of smartphones, and you. I mean, you hmm. can imagine maybe not, but in in some parts of here in the United States going to your phone and looking for like a geolocating a cat might not be somebody's first um, angle to approach so that's why the basic paper collar is good but there are programs that do have the facial recognition that they try to do with the cats to somebody's reporting a missing cat someone's reporting a found cat to see if they can match the faces together to put the match together Um, There is a program with an organization here in in Boston, Massachusetts, the MSPCA, and for the stray cats that they have coming in, they return 30% of them. They find their owners for 30% of the cats and you think, oh no, but what happens to the other 70? Well, nationally, the statistic is more like 3% for cats that are brought in as strays being returned back to their homes. So it's really low in the United States for folks to be able to get their stray cats, you know, to to get them back to their original owner if they are truly a missing cat. So it's really important to have this like micro connection, micro outreach first in the local community. A lot of people will post on Facebook or WhatsApp or whatever. They'll post on, on social media, but they won't ask their neighbors like if they've seen the cat. So it's really start really small and then build from there.
0: Yeah, you radiate like a ripple in a pond, radiate from where you are. You never know the cat might be just in your neighbor's garage or something like that. And and yeah, and it's I'm, I'm really uh it's sad. It's a sad statistic in the USA. Uh I don't know why that is. I mean, it's one of the reasons I recommend microchipping. I mean, I I'm not a am not the biggest fan of microchipping uh of inserting a, this thing. I mean, I can still feel the thing in 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 Charlotte, not Emily so much but Charlotte's of it's just a long hair with super fluffy so i can feel it sort of under her skin uh so it's not my favorite thing in the world but he, you know heaven forbid she ever goes out and strays and 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 i can't find her i don't know what i'd do with i'd be going crazy so the microchip is a really good and helpful tool for lost pets in general lost cats more specifically uh, I mean, yeah, a collar with a tag with your your name and telephone number. That's usually what we recommend. Not the cat's name, because here there is a tendency for nasty people to, you know, call the cat, take it, use it as bait for dog capturing. So we don't want that. But put your name on there and your telephone number. Your that's that's generally also a good idea. But the microchip is really, really the best. You can, you know, the vet any vet can quickly scan it and get all your details and get you your cat. So. Why do you suppose that is? That it's only thirty percent. But I mean, that's only thirty percent in this area, three percent nationally in the United States. That's because that's really low. Is it because right. people aren't microchipping, or
1: in many cases they aren't microchipping? I'm going to add another little tip in there. So my my mm-hmm. niece just um, she adopted a cat a couple of years ago, um, and she has her cat has an air tag on it, and it's so funny oh. because they she will hide the cat's a hider in the house. And they won't be able to find her, and they'll they'll use the air tag, and they'll be able to phone her because she's a um, she's like a travel cat. She'll she's got a leash, she's got a backpack. She goes wherever my niece goes. Mm-hmm. So she's in she's in new new places very often. So then she'll find a, like a place to hide, and then you can't find her, and you get all worried. She's in this new environment, so they use the air tag, which is only good for you know eight hundred a thousand feet or something like that. But mm-hmm. she can, you know, do find my air tag, and that. And so, we actually had her visiting here for a week, and she did. She hid in a closet here, and my son couldn't find her. And uh, he had to do the find, you know, find Lily, <laughs> and he found her. And, and I mean, it was we would have been looking outside, how'd she get outside? Did we you know all this stuff? So, if you have a cat that likes to hide in the house, if you have a semi-feral cat or very shy cat, that's a really good hider. You might
0: consider doing that. Yeah, that's that's really funny. Air tags. I, I actually have seen cats with, with a little air tag on their, their collar like that. It's actually pretty big, I think, but yeah. uh, but it it works. It does work. I mean, you can find your your iPhone, you can find your luggage, why not your cat? You know? So I was like, <laughs> again, another one of these pieces of technology. I'm honestly not the biggest fan of because it's again, it's more of these little things that are emitting you know, these frequencies and it's like, is that healthy? Is it not? I don't know. The science is still not decided on that. Although it isn't, is not the healthiest for you. It does have some deleterious effect. Maybe, maybe not as many as some people are shouting about, but it is not enhancing your, uh, your cellular health. But on the other hand, it's either that or not find the cat or panic or whatever, or, or whatever. You know, it's, I, I, again, I recommend doing that if you have a cat in that situation. It's just—it's just the the best thing, you know, of the whole situation. It's the—it's the right thing to do. But um, okay, so we have the air tags. But I just want to go back because I know there's going to be some people who heard about this paper tag and they're going to want to where do I go? Where do I go to buy one? So <laughs> I, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's probably places that sell them. Uh, and if if you have that, you can tell me tell us what it is. But uh, uh, how do we make that? So could you li- just quickly tell yes. me how I can make one of these things? What, yeah. what information to put on it, that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, it's very simple. I mean, it's you mm-hmm. just take a piece of paper and depending on the neck size of your cat, measure the neck size of your cat. And then you want it to be loose enough so you can get a couple fingers in there, but not hmm. so loose that it falls off the cat. And you just cut a piece of paper, maybe like an inch, three quarters thick, a long strip. Um, And then, you know, uh, do you own this cat? You just put, do you own this cat? If so, call with your cell phone number on it. You tape it on the cat. And in, in the States, we usually ask folks to, you know, have a cat with that information on them for about a week or two. And then if you don't get any phone calls, we can declare that cat abandoned. And then we go in with a rescue mode. Um, assuming that you know we're assuming that cat within two weeks is going to go to its home and that someone is gonna claim that cat um, and we actually at the community cats podcast will be releasing within the next week or so a, a template that people can use with the paper oh that'll
0: be it. really helpful a template they'll, yeah they'll so, be able so to just let's cut it
1: and download that so we'll make sure just check out the communitycatspodcast.com um, and it'll be up within a week it's not up yet but we have made mm-hmm. it. But you can always email uh, us through the contact on the website, and I have the template, so I can always email it to folks. So that's great. Yeah, email.
0: and of course, yeah. I know a lot of people will be listening to this in the future. So even though today we're recording it on the 31st of March, uh, 2023, uh, two days away from my birthday, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so uh, it's it's a great day. Uh, some people will be listening to this later. They might be listening to it, you know, in another year or two. Who knows? So, um, in that case, the template will be already there. So, uh, the place to go for the template is communitycatspodcast.com. It's a good time for me to spell it because, of course, a lot of people are going to be just listening to this on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So, it's communitycatspodcast.com. C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y-C-A-T-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, community cats podcast.com and that's the place to find this template and of course a lot of other information helpful advice tips everything you need to know about community cats uh on that website so everybody should go and check it out and of course you know follow them on social media so you get all the latest news and of course subscribe to their podcast because Kitty boss is a great podcast, but the community cats podcast is equally great podcast, which I think everybody should be listening to and you'll enjoy it too. So, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's that plug <laughs> for you and we'll talk about it a, l- a bit more later. So that's great. Now, uh, this comes to mind. So, uh, my cats don't wear collars because it has a tendency to irritate their necks. So I've, I used to have them collared all the time. Now they're not collared, but my cats are indoor house cats and they're microchip. And I do stick a collar back on them up for a vet trip or things like that. But this paper collar, now uh my cats are also very good at scratching these collars. I must have gone through, you know, two or three collars a year. So uh, a paper collar, they would just rip off straight away. So is there something we can do about that? Like, should we, you know, laminate it? Should we put it on a little bit thicker paper, like maybe a cardboard or part or some uh resume paper or something like that or just not worry about it
1: no you shouldn't worry about it because the paper is so light that there's less weighted impact around the neck like the regular collars are heavier so Mm. they'll like oh what is this around my neck but if you've got the fur and it's kind of wrapping around the fur they may not even feel the pressure that much um i mean we do the best that we can if the cat comes back the next day and the collar is gone they've scratched it off and you know we can only do what we can do right and it's a lost paper collar it's not going to be the end of the it's world
0: no big you deal can, Yeah, you
1: can throw another one on and just keep trying with the hope that that paper collar is going to make it home with them at some point in time so you can find out who the owner is um, but you know, again, we're just doing our best efforts, and and not to yeah. say that's the only thing to do. You should still knock on your neighbor's door, do a flyer mm-hmm. like this is a found cat. Are you feeding this cat? It's about information gathering.
0: So that's that's great. So um, this is really weird. My my one second, my my, my uh, computer decided to do something very strange, which pop up a little thing on my on my screen, which I'm sure yours and everybody listening has done that at some point too. So you will, you will forgive me for that. Um, so we have, um, I, I want to talk more now about, you know, community cats podcast and the actual, they actually like why you started this. Cause I get that you, you worked for the feline society, the feline rescue society for a number, many, many years training and mentoring a, a, a lot of people uh, as well as organizations. And I also get, I'm, um, at it now the vision to create a humane community for all cats and to provide education information dialogue to create supportive environment empowering people to help cats in the community and that you have a podcast a blog you actually also offer grants and mentoring programs conferences online networking opportunity sharing you just do everything cat related and participate and get out there also consulting and workshops for organizations so you do so many like really amazing things and i like to say i love people but i love cats even more i may have been egyptian in a past life i don't know but uh but it's just uh, so when i see things like that i'm like oh this is amazing because this is someone who does again i love people so i do lots of things for people that you know in my, my day job i that's all I do is I help, I help people. I work as a nonprofit organization leader uh, in, in a few different things, on boards and disabled people and all that kind of stuff. But I love cats even more. So for me, I'm like, that is amazing to do so much for cats. So I have a few questions that go along the lines of that. So first and most importantly, why? Why do you do all this? Because Why do you love cats so much?
1: Yeah, well, and it's funny that you say that because a lot of my work is working with people. My focus is to really help you turn your passion for cats into action. I saw so many instances when I was running the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society that I did not want anyone to ever have to see again. I didn't want to see it again. I didn't want anyone else to see it again. And so, you know, I really wanted to share the successful programs that we had at the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society with others to try and empower them to be able to make a difference in the lives of cats that are in their community. I don't want people to feel helpless if they see a cat in their backyard walking through the backyard. They want they need to understand what an ear tip is. They need to understand how to help uh, a mom cat with kittens or, you know, how to trap a cat and do TNR, trap, neuter, return for those cats. So there's just so many different things to know about to be able to help cats and, and helping cats in your community is a stepping stone to helping others. You know, it's it's one part of, of behavior that obviously we want to help our neighbors. We want to help the other animals in our community. We want to have a community that is just loving and generous and kind and respectful and if we can do that with our cats we're going to do it with everybody else and so i don't know i grew up with cats i love cats i think that they are a wonderful beautiful being but i i also i love all animals too and i love people so i just sort of put it all together and i use cats as my stepping stone that basically help community in general
0: that's awesome so so really you're talking about uh you know cats people the planet all life, you know, and it's just like that's uh, that's almost a spiritual thing that we're talking about here. And I think it's it's really really amazing to to do that. And I can tell that you're speaking from the heart. Cats, uh, community cats, or cats are the community. They're they're the vehicle, if you will, to connect us to a larger world. People have described my cats as my salvation, my connection to source, blah blah blah, blah. and that's true. My cats are are a real you know spiritual. A connection for me there is even a meditation for cats I, I talk about it a lot because it's so much fun and it's like there was a monastery where they were meditating monks and at one point there was one monk who really loved cats and so he would always meditate with his cat and people thought they, they he didn't teach this they just assumed that the, the cat had some special gift and cats would connect you uh you know to the higher power easier and facilitate the meditation and they just built a mythology around it and actually developed a meditation technique that requires a cat you know and it's really cool and uh they later of course uh when that monk died and the new monk came there was another one who was allergic to cats so he got rid of all the cats it was also expensive to have have to have a cat for each monk in the monastery. So, so they they got rid of this, and you know they they dispelled that myth. Of course, until recently, where we find out scientifically that cats, you know, you know the purr has a, a frequency that it oscillates at that actually reduces cortisol levels, lowers the stress in the human, and actually does facilitate your connection and your 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 well-being in many ways. Uh, cats are healing. Pets in general are good for mental health. Everyone knows that. But what people don't know is that uh, there's no other creature, no insect, no animal, no bird on the planet Earth that emits this vibration, this sound that actually heals humans, that actually, you know, takes your stress down, physically measured, you know, through scientific instruments. So I think that's a magical thing, in my opinion. But uh, I... (laughs) so people have described that to me that the cats are my connection but cats are also a connection to the community look you and I would have never met if it wasn't for cats And you know what there's a surprising amount of these cat people out there the uh, chief executive of my borough council here loves cats and so we have a connection to that believe me that's been very helpful to be able to uh, do things locally that will help a lot of people Uh, not just cats that will help a lot of people Uh, a very famous British politician has five cats and loves cats, as do I. We don't always agree politically speaking, we're not necessarily on the same you know, spectrum or party, but we agree on one thing, and that is how much we love cats. So that has been a connection to the community. They're not just a part of the community, they connect you to the community. Uh, they really do have this this lovely thing, this this cult of cat, you know, and so this culture, if you will. So I think it's a great uh, a great thing and a great mission that you're on. So in in do I, I do have a this is going to sound like a really practical, possibly boring question, but uh, because of my work at the nonprofit industry, I am very curious about where does the funding for everything that you do, the grant giving, the mentoring, where does that funding come from?
1: Uh, well, at the Community Cats podcast here, we do have, we have 26 online events. Some of them are free webinars. Some of them, we have a conference, an uh, online cat conference. Uh, we have an online behavior day with uh, your great friend, Dr. Rachel Geller, that will be on mm-hmm. April 8th. Uh, we do TNR certification workshops. We also, with Dr. Geller, we do a, uh, cer- a surrender prevention a certification program also. So those do have some fees associated with them. So that helps mm. pay the virtual light bill, that would be, that we have. Um, we have a team of two other part-time folks that work with us here at the podcast. And so that's what help, helps to fund you know our, our day-to-day. And we do have some advertisers for the podcast, which also helps too, and The more subscribers we can have, the better off financially our business plan will be. But we are not, we're not a nonprofit organization. We decided to be just a regular standard business because that's what what we are, is we are out there. We're media, we're covering cats and we're helping the community, you know, do more for their cats. So we didn't go through the, the nonprofit process here in the United States. Our, uh, the, the Community Cats Grants Program is supported by a private foundation, and so uh, at this point in time, you know, that's where those funds are coming from to support <laughs> that program, um, which we've assisted with uh, funding the spay neuter of over 11,000 cats since we started doing this program um, back in 2017, so we've been doing it for a while.
0: Yeah, but that's a lot of cats, even in, in even in that amount of time, that is a lot of cats. And it's really a, a significant impact. And, and it brings up a go- really good point. And that is with all that is this whole idea of the for profit, not for profit divide. There really shouldn't be one, in my opinion. And isn't what I'm going to go on a tiny rant. I mean, but you'll forgive me for this, because it's really important that people understand this, that just because a business is a for-profit enterprise that is a business that makes money does not mean that it is a rapacious thing. It doesn't mean that it cannot be ethical, moral, and a part of the community. It doesn't mean that it cannot be a force for good. I know personally of several businesses here in my local area that are completely for-profit businesses, but that are an incredible Incredible force for good in their community, more so than most charities, most more so than most nonprofits. One of them is, uh, you know, uh, it's not libel because I'm praising my good friend Richard Fuller, who owns County Battery. So if you need a battery and you're in the in the United Kingdom, you go go to County Battery. Uh, that business is a completely for-profit business. It's a family business, and they use the actual business as a vehicle for doing good in the community. And how do they do that? Well, they work very closely with the local Portland College, right? So the uh, president of the college as well. And, uh, and they work with uh, the autistic, learning disabled. They work with basically their students who, you know, need extra help, who, who don't have the traditional, you know, uh, resume or CV of, you know, they'll be able to get a job. They say, they take them in. They take them under their wing. They employ them. They pay them. And they give them a career. Which I think is amazing. There's another business, not far, much larger uh, called the Linney Group. And I happen to know uh, Nick Linney. The, again, it's a family generational business, but he's, uh, he's the chairman and the owner of the business, if you will. And They do a similar thing where they were, you know, he'll say, give me your worst, (laughs) your worst students and he'll take them in and he'll give them a life basically because uh, and he told me how he does it and all that, but that's not the purpose of this podcast, but he puts them to work and, and you should see the night and day difference. I mean, honestly, no therapist I've ever seen has had results like this where I've seen many, many of these cases where they come in and they're, you know. They don't talk. They're not. They're antisocial. And, and within a period of six months to a year, they are the most outgoing, productive, and you know, people employee you'd ever want. You know, forget a degree. They don't have education. They don't need it because they're so good. Uh, and and it, and it all it took was somebody giving them the chance, somebody treating them, you know, a certain way, and. And it's just remarkable to me. It is just absolutely remarkable that he can use that business as a force for good. He also does things for the environment where he set up this entire thing. That's going to that does these things with recycling and reusing and building money through eBay sales through this, but he set it up so that it creates a goodness in the world and the environment. And those are examples of for profit businesses that make a lot of money and they, yet they do a tremendous amount of good. There are of course, Probably lots of examples anyone can think of of not-profit businesses that are not a force for good, that are really a way for some, you know, person to line their pockets or to avoid paying taxes or whatever, uh, and it's not even, you know, it's not even funny because they, they take people's money and some of them have been controversial, some of them are not controversial, but we know they do it, and so uh, there's, you know, both positive and negative examples. So whether something is for profit or not for profit doesn't, doesn't change the fact that it can be a force for good. It can be a traditional business. And, uh, I think that's a great thing because that means that if you have a traditional business, you can also be a force for good in the society and make money, make very good money. Or if you're a charity, you can do too. And if you're not a charity, you can still do things like community cats podcast. So your example, your life teaches us an important lesson in business. Uh, and not just for cats. I don't know if you know that, but by your example, you are showing us an amazing thing. So anyway, that's my rant. Rant over. Sidebar done. <laughs> and uh, and that's that's my opinion on on that. So thank you for sharing that because I do think it's really important to hit that on the head, that nail on the head, so that people don't don't think that uh, you know you're not a charity, so you're not not worth supporting. That's baloney. Uh, charities are great. Nonprofits are great. For profits can be great too uh, if they choose. That's what you do. So amazing. Well, and <laughs> so, you have
1: to be diligent about your, you know, they're both businesses, nonprofit, for profit. They're both businesses. And I tend to think of nonprofit as like no taxes, really. It's not necessarily nonprofit. It's your, you get these, it's a tax benefit, it's a tax ruling, really. And so you should be held accountable to both businesses. As if I was gonna buy a stock in a private company, I would do a level of due diligence there. Same with as I was gonna be a donor to a nonprofit organization, there's a level of due diligence you need to do there. So that's sort of the way that I looked at it.
0: Yeah, and or like my friend uh, TK says, uh, he says for profit does not mean, uh, sorry, for uh, not for profit does not mean for loss. Right. So correct. Agreed. you still need to run it, you know, run it in a, in a wise way. And uh, people forget that, I think, too much. and you know, they struggle in the nonprofit industry. So uh, so there's lots of lessons to be learned here. So anyway, so that answers that question where you know, the funding comes from, the resources come from for community cats broadcast. Definitely answers to that. And of course, Stacy mentioned, uh, events. Stacy mentioned Dr. Rachel Geller, who we host our monthly cat every single month. Uh, and I think that uh, it's really important for you to stay up to date with all of these events, when they are, when you can sign up, if you can support the events, if you want to sponsor. Let's say you have loads of money and you want to sponsor, uh, you know, the the grants or whatever. Then communitycatspodcast.com is the place to go to find out more and sign up and and contact Stacy and all these di- these things that you can do to support community cats. So, the area that you operate in, Stacy, is that um, Vermont, or are you throughout the United States or internationally? What is what is sort of your catchment area?
1: So, in general about 80% of our podcast listeners and attendees are from the United States, but then the other 80% are from outside of the United States in terms of attending our virtual events as well as listening to the podcast. Uh, So that is a, and we want to encourage that. We really want to have a more international feel to our program. So we have a, a conference in the fall the united spay alliance conference and we do a lot of international presentations of different programs focusing on spaying and neutering of uh of cats there uh, sort of all around the world programs from that standpoint so great diversity there with regards to our community cats grants program that unfortunately the um the gifts can only go to 501c3 organizations in the united states So at this point in time, it is limited just to the United States. However, with that being said, um, we're always working on other options and alternatives, so it can't hurt to reach out. Um, And we also do sometimes have scholarship funds available for attending our events. And those are open also to international applicants. So we will be having a scholarship opportunity for um, our uh, online feline leukemia day, which will be coming up in Uh, in July, July 15th, um, and we already know we're gonna have a a very generous scholarship opportunity for that event.
0: Fantastic, and and it's great uh, that uh, you're gonna be going internationally uh, because, um, you know, because I think that you have an international uh, opportunity, let's just say, because Mm -hmm. I can think of community cats being present in several places around the world. For example, my uh, friend, who actually used to live here, uh, is uh, a professor at the University of Cairo in Egypt. And boy, does she take care of the community cats. Ooh. I mean, she posts all over the social media and everything. So, for example, my my good friend Nelly, Doctor Nelly Alidani, she could definitely uh, not only probably teach some stuff for for your conferences, but she could also uh, learn stuff from you know commu- you know what to do, how to you know little tricks and tips of how to take care of these community cats, and I know of community cats in other towns across Europe and 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 all of that, and uh, even in Asia as well. So there's no there's no limits or borders to that, only to the grants because of you're limited by the legal frameworks and requirements that you have. So so that's you know totally understandable, obviously. And the um so so yeah, so we have a, an international reach with community cats, and I hope people really do take advantage of that. Because it's really uh, valuable information that you're you're teaching, you're offering, and uh, you know that's that's it's the right thing to do. I think, isn't it?
1: Yeah, thank so, you. Yeah, and, and where there are a lot of international organizations, I'll just I mean, there's a huge uh, movement called Spay Japan. Um, there's a group in India. There's a group actually in Greece, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done in Greece. So uh, Spain, Panama, Italy, right? Uh, Spain, Mexico. So it's just really wonderful to see the efforts of folks trying to work on handling our cat overpopulation issues through access to spay and neuter
0: programs. And we can learn from each other as well, because, because that's the good side of internationalization, globalization, blah, blah, blah. There's of course downsides to it, but the good side is that we can learn a lot from each other. So I think uh, I would like to leave you with the sort of proverbial last word. So is there anything you'd care to say or ask maybe uh, for the listeners of the Kitty Boss podcast before we end the show?
1: Yeah, well, um, if there are folks out there listening, um, you know, feel free to put into the comments any questions that you, you might have. And um, I'd be curious to know if any of you have trapped a cat trap the community cat. Um, If you are interested in learning about how to trap cats, we do have a TNR certification workshop that is tomorrow. No fooling. Tomorrow it is uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time, but everything we have is recorded. So if, you know, the time zone's an issue, that's not a big deal. Mm. Everything's recorded. You can watch things on on the recording. And um, so feel free to join us. And we do have our online behavior day on uh april 8th and that is from 10 a.m to 5 p.m on eastern time again everything is recorded four fantastic feline i call them the feline behavior dream team dr geller is one of those pam johnson bennett arden moore and tabitha crusera so if you're into anything on feline behavior uh that that's going to be like the saturday to to be there and to really enjoy So, um, you know, our website has everything there, communitycatspodcast.com. If you're interested in strategy, I recommend Googling the Community Cat Pyramid, which is something where I talk about in your community. If you're trying to create a new initiative, this is some strategy around how to be able to do it and use your time most effectively because, you know, it's hard starting a new group. I mean, we just talked about nonprofits. It's hard to put a new organization together. Usually, it starts out with a handful of people. So, we want to make sure that our time is being used most efficiently. And then, you know, lastly, I'm going to say, you know, thank you again for turning your passion for cats into action. Justin, um, for sure, you're doing it. Everybody out there, you're doing it. Anyone who's out there who has cats, loves cats, owns cats, you're doing it. You're making a difference in the lives of cats. And I really appreciate it. And thank you.
0: Uh, well, thank you, Stacy. We really, I know I speak for everyone when I say we really appreciate you and everything you not only have done, have been doing, are doing, and will do in the future. So remember, uh, Stacy has some incredible opportunities coming up for events, both free and paid. Uh, and if you're listening to this live, go to communitycatspodcast.com and sign up. But if you're not listening to this live don't worry because like she said everything is recorded so this is still relevant this is evergreen and you can still go to community cats podcast if you're listening to this in 2031 and uh, and sign up and or you know and and watch and learn from these uh these events but who knows maybe I will have achieved my mission of a billion more cats being adopted by 2031 I don't know I didn't put a time limit or a deadline on it because that would be a little bit too daunting so uh, so that's just a mission. And if it happens in my lifetime, that's great. If it doesn't, I hope I've made a dent in that. So thank you so much, Stacey, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate your time. It's been wonderful. I know everyone will agree. It's been wonderful to meet you. I can see that we have a couple comments that uh, validate what we've been saying. So Janie says, took the TNR certification. Great training. Have trapped for cats and hope to continue. Trap, neuter, return. So I hope no one is alarmed when we say trap cats. We're not trapping them and eating them. We're trapping them, neutering them or spaying them and releasing them and making, making sure that the population is under control and that the cats are healthy and taken care of even if we can't take them and adopt them into our own homes. So uh, we have validation of this certification training and we have another Uh, person Sarah Jane saying uh, volunteer for our local TNR group but do trapped cat care and general cat care and of course uh, you can see that Stacy and I are applauding you for those efforts because that is an amazing thing to be doing uh, for your community for cats that really is going the extra mile uh, for for the cats because um, uh, but let's remember that uh, what uh, Stacy has been preaching since the beginning, which is we do what we can. I always used to say in uh round table, an organization I'm part of, you know, table is about what you can do, not what you can't do. So it's, it's about what you can do. What is within the purview or the compass of your attainment? What is it that you can do? Don't worry about if you can't, you know, do as much as somebody else. Do what it is that you can do. I'll tell you what the only wrong thing to do is nothing. That's the only wrong thing to do. The wrong thing to do is nothing. If you act, if you take some action, even tiny, we applaud you, celebrate you, and we celebrate you. So absolutely. So thank you very much for joining us today. Uh Stacy, I'll see you in a minute. And for everyone listening, this is Cat Lady Justin. And this is The Kitty Boss, where we pick, pamper, and protect your practically perfect pussycat for a lifetime of unconditional love. I look forward to seeing you again real soon.